Hello, fellow adventurers. I'm Naira Constant. I'm an expat coach, travel enthusiast, and adventure advocate. I have journeyed from being a struggling artist to successful expat living. Since I discovered my best life as an expat, I have expanded my life to include art, education, entrepreneurship, and of course, tons of travel. The expat life means freedom, opportunity, and yes, global connections. I cross paths with some pretty amazing people who each, in their own way, change my perspective and my life. So you may ask, what is an expat? An expat is anyone who works and lives outside of his or her native country. The number one question I get about being an expat is, how does one live and work abroad? So I created this podcast to share with you the ways in which you can unlock your own expat lifestyle and find out all of the different ways that my guests have used their passports as a catalyst for unlocking the adventure that is the expat lifestyle. So tell me who you are, where you're from, and um, why do I call you chief? Well, I, my name is Lavelle, like um, uh, cousin just introduced. Um, I guess you called me chief is because I was appointed as a chief uh, of the tribe. The tribe is the Cape Fear Band of Skurure and Wokan Indians um, of the Cape Fear. The Cape Fear region, that would be your Wilmington and surrounding areas. Um, very rich history here. A lot of it, um, a lot of colonial records concerning this area. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you already, I'm like colonial records, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little, I feel like I'm a little bit of a history buff. You know, I love history and I wasn't a history person in, you know, in school. And that's because it was so boring and it didn't, I didn't feel connected to it, you know. And I think that's the whole point. You got to feel connected to it. So when I became connected or was able to reach out and touch, you know, through my travels, um, it became much more rich, uh, much more uh, four dimensional. Um, and I, I, I think this is just another um, layer to who, who I'm coming from. Because we've been told that, you know, Native Indians, uh, Native Americans, Indians are really no longer. They're fledgling. There's maybe a few spots here and there. Um, why is it important in your words? Well, um, our, our children needs, they need direction. Um, they need to know who they are, just like other cultures need to know who they are. When you don't have that history, that cultural connection, that ancestral lineage, it pretty much opens you up to a lot of the a lot of the things that's not really good for you in society. I mean, you see kids and all kinds of things today, gangs and just out there doing the wrong thing. And I don't want to just uh, cookie cut and say all kids are bad. But if you watch the news or if you're a living and you've been around enough teenagers and young adults, then you know that that a lot of the population are lost. I think if they grew up with that identity, we may have a different outcome. You know, the identity that people are growing up in, it was a created identity. This is pretty much like a Frankenstein, a monster that was created. Now people have to deal with the, with the beast, with the monster. Um, you know, uh, 
I tell my children, here's what I told my children. If somebody tell you, if somebody tries to call you something other than who you are, that should offend you because far too long, people have tried to make us into something that we're not. Mm-hmm. It's very offensive. It's very belittling. And it's, and it's a, um, it's a play on your intelligence. They think you're ignorant and you're not intelligent enough to be able to comprehend or be on the same level as other people, uh, internationally. A lot of people that come into this country, they look at people, um, who, who, uh, claim African American. A lot of people who come into this country, look at them in a negative way. And it's because how they're portrayed on television. And, you know, if you go certain places, we actually give me, we actually give some truth to that because we're lost. You know, people are lost. Um, African-American is a, uh, is a misnomer, you know, just like a lot of the other words to describe us. A lot of people now using Afro indigenous, black Indian, Aboriginal. I mean, it's just on and on and on. Negro, colored, mulatto, mestizo, musty. There's so many names to describe us. Here in the Cape Fear region, when I speak, I I speak about my family, your family, because I'm not an expert in everybody's family, but I know mine. I know our family. And I know how we were described here in the 1500s. Um, we was not described looking like uh, looking like the Lakotas. We weren't described looking like the Apache. We weren't described looking at looking like Plains people from the from the Dakotas, Montana. So we had a different phenotype east of the Mississippi, a different phenotype. Uh, it doesn't make us less indigenous. It just makes us a different type of indigenous than they are. We have similarities. We share certain cultural similarities, um, commonalities, but there are some differences. Those differences are not respected. We Myself and uh, people in my tribe, my family, uh, even my family who are not enrolled with us, we have a respect for the culture across the country, regardless of what tribe you are and regardless of which side of the Mississippi you fall on. But what I find uh, too often is people west of the Mississippi out in the Plains area don't share that same respect for us because Oh, you guys are black. You're really not Indian. Just had a conversation with a with a um, with a Lakota. Uh, he used to call me little brother, but he doesn't anymore. He said, "Oh, you, you're you're trying to be us," and I had to tell him. I said, "I don't want to be Lakota. I'm proud of who I am. I'm a Cape Fear Indian. I'm a Skurudi and I'm Wokan. I'm a Cape Fear Indian. I'm proud of that." I said, "You guys need to have more compassion for what happened to us over here on the East Coast." I said, everybody who came here and landed on the East Coast, they raped us, they murdered us, they molested us, they somehow found their way into our family, and we are the result of that. So, yes, we come out looking from the lightest, almost white, to the darkest, looking like somebody who just came from Africa. We are on both ends of the spectrum. That is because the Spanish came here, the French came here, even before Columbus, there were Africans who are here, pre-colonial Africans, Irish, all kinds of folks came here. They all mixed in with us. Doesn't make us less indigenous. It just means we're indigenous with admixtures. That's it. That respect needs to be, we need to speak about the respect that we deserve. We need to assert 
ourselves and demand the respect that we deserve. Our ancestors, our grandmothers, they were raped, they were murdered, they were enslaved, they was they were shipped off. All of the things that everybody read about and everybody wants to talk about in history books, we are the folks that went through that on the East Coast. We are the result of what happened. We are we show the resiliency of our people by still existing by by our mantra. We are still here. People don't respect it because they want you to look a certain way. There's two different types of indigenous people in this country. There's us and then there's them. There's the eastern woodlands and then there's the plains. Those are two types of indigenous people. There's a relationship there. Uh, there's a commonality there, but there's also differences there. Those differences need to be respected, and we're going to demand it. You talk about, even as I'm listening to you, you talk about a lot about identity. And in speaking of identity and to talk about the, the laundry list of names um, that Black and brown people have been called, depending on what area, region, city country, whatever, um, having to tick it off on, on official documents, having to um, actually respond when called a certain name, you know, um, all types of things. How do we reclaim, first, what is identity to you and how do we reclaim our identity? What actions do we take? Well, it depends on what your what identity you're claiming. If you are claiming to be an indigenous American, then you need to be it needs to be more than just lip service. First of all, are you an indigenous American? Do you have the bloodline? Can you prove that from that standpoint? Okay, so if you can, now what are you doing that that uh, indigenous people do? It's a culture. So that means there's an action behind being indigenous. What is the action? That's participating in social events, harvest gathering like we just had, powwows. There's all kinds of different social events. Um, do you do you dress to dress? And I'm not you don't have to dress every day, you know, but when you go to social events, that's a time where you actually show what your people wore, what they how they dressed. Um, it's part of the continuity of our culture. You know, uh, we dress like other people all the time, you know? So anytime that we can, that we can uh, fellowship and come together in our own attire, that's what you do. Um, identity is in your heart, is in your mind and is in your blood. You speak it and you act it. If you are someone who has always identified as a African-American or a black person. And today you say, oh, I'm an Indian because my grandmother was Indian, but you don't participate. Then that's a problem and that's a disconnect. And no one is going to look at you favorably because it's almost like making a mockery. It's almost like you're looking for something to get something out of it. And sometimes people do that because they just lack understanding and they need to be taught, you know, and too quickly we turn our backs on people who need to be taught those things. I was taught, um, and you know our family here, our family's history is well documented, you know, so um, 
Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of things that uh, we have. We had to piece together, but our history is well documented. Our Spaldings and Freemans and Mitchells and Moors and on and on and on. All our family is well documented here. So it wasn't that hard. And plus, we grew up in a Native conscious uh, community. I identified as Black, but I identified as Black knowing I had Native ancestry because that's what my family told me. But because we didn't live in specific communities, we lived in what was uh, deemed Black communities, and that's what you grew up with. Now, why does Black? I just mentioned this on... Um, Uncle Jay, that's Jay Winter Nightwolf show. We was talking about um, what is black. My definition for black, black is an umbrella term. It's a culture and it's, and it's a uh, it's a culture and it's an experience. It's not a race, it's not an ethnicity, and it's not a nationality because there's no black name, there's no black land, and I don't speak black East, but it is a culture and it is and it is an experience. So what is a black culture? Hip hop, urban wear. Church, cookouts, on and on. I mean, the graffiti, that's the culture. You know, um, the experience, police brutality, that has been something that's been pretty hot topic lately. Uh, driving while black, you know, that all these crazy things. People locking their cars when you walk near it, following you around in a grocery store, uh, being profiled, that's an experience. So, to me, that's my definition for black. It's a culture and an experience. So I don't freak out when somebody says black Indian because I know a this is a this is a uh, to me this is a great definition for it. It's a culture and experience, not a race identity. Some people kind of flip out over that because they say, "Oh, I'm not black because uh, I'm not African." Black doesn't necessarily mean that. Um, there's melanated people all over the world. I have a video that I'm working on right now. There's a guy out in uh, the South Pacific and he's interviewing people from Fiji. He's interviewing people from Australia. He's interviewing people uh, from Melanesia. Every last one of them, some of them are darker than us. Some of them have hair uh, curlier than ours. Some of them have wavy hair. But when he asked them, do you consider yourself black? Every last one of them said, yes. But they also said, I'm Australian, mm-hmm. Aborigine, I'm Fijian, I'm this and that, I'm, I'm, I'm Polynesian, but I'm also black because black is not a nationality. The nationality, ethnicity and all that, that's, Aust- that's Australian Aborigine. So they're showing a distinction between the two. We, we, need, we, don't, we don't quite get that here yet, but it's, 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 I see it's coming around. It's going to take a little yeah. bit more work. I think it's it's not explained in detail unless that's your own personal quest to want to educate yourself and figure out what you're what you identify with. Because I've talked with you know African Americans, um, and some of them do not identify with you know other African Americans or Black and Brown people. You know, and don't really probably mm-hmm. on some level even consider themselves African-American. And I think it's what they're really saying is that they just don't identify with some of the cultural connections that we've created within the African-American community. Sometimes. Can, they, can I add something? Sure. Can I add something? I'm sorry to cut you off. Just to be just to just to throw a little balance in here and to uh, and for people who really just dislike that word. 
I you know I can understand I can understand the um, I can understand the problem the hate the dislike the, the being uncomfortable with it because there was a racial integrity act that was passed that made all indigenous people into Negroes coloreds and everything else um, besides of what they are so it's a struggle trying to get that back when you've been labeled as such for hundreds of years it's a struggle trying to get that back it's a struggle trying to get that respect being who you are back from the from the populist it's, it's, it's a struggle so when people call you black or or um, some other name yeah some people get upset about it I'm just trying to get people to understand um, you know use it as a teachable moment uh, and don't get bent out of shape it actually brings a little bit of freedom to you when you're able to explain it and you're not treating it like it's kryptonite or something like that but I do understand both sides of it Stories already exist. It's just you finding it, finding it out if it pertains to you and just claim it. And how you claim it is by being a participant in it, uh, not looking to get something out of it or something for nothing, but with your heart and your mind, participate in it. If you're an indigenous person, then you should be doing things in the culture. You should be concerned with the environment. Uh, you should be concerned with, uh, with what's going on with the water, the poisoning with the water. But if we never see you participating in anything, but you're an indigenous person, what kind of indigenous person are you? Because most indigenous people in America, we're supposed to be caretakers of the land. Now that's something, it doesn't, regardless of being east or west of the Mississippi, we all agree on that, that we are caretakers of the land. So if you're claiming that you're indigenous, are you a caretaker? Mm. And if you are, what are you doing? What kind, what kind of caretaking are you doing? You know, are you participating in any marches? Are you doing any protests? Are you, um, are you a part of any boards that's overseeing the uh, management of rivers and, and waterways? You know, what are you doing? Are you helping out with the elders? Are you, are you creating programs to teach the children? Are you trying to learn the language? You know, all of these different things. So, there's a lot that goes into being to reclaiming. It's a whole culture, you know. It's a whole culture. What are you doing with it? If you're not, if you're not participating, then maybe you're just pretending. Let's talk about the people who are practicing and have gone further to be identified to the public, to the United States. You talked about this as dual citizenship. Well, the dual citizenship is ba- and and and. Before I say before I say anything, um, yes, we are a part of a federation called FANA, which is the Federations of Ad- Federation of Aboriginal Nations of the Americas. Americas meaning the, the the whole continent, not the imaginary borders and lines that was created. You know, the Americas. So um, we are trust nations. Most of your federal tribes who own reservations or who have, who have land. Most of their lands are in a trust that is owned by the United States government. Um, there was a, there was an issue not too long ago, uh, up in, uh, New England where a federal tribe who had land in a trust lost their land. Uh, and this was during the Trump administration. Hmm. Um, so they were a federal tribe. They had land and then they didn't have land. It was taken away. And then that became a big mess. And then, you know, they were 
trying to get that land back. I don't quite know where that is right now, where they stand. I think they uh, may have gotten it back, but I'm not sure. Um, we're not in that in that same uh, class. Um, when you are a um, tribal trust, you're able to control your own land. This is backed by the treaties that we are signatures to. Um, it's based off of it's based off of treaty rights. Um, we have a director general. His name is uh, Chief Two Hawks. He's the one who really speaks about these things because he's more qualified to. But to give you to give you a um, to give you a short answer, dual citizenship exists because we did not give up our Fourteenth Amendment rights. So we still are Fourteenth Amendment uh, citizens. So we still have that. We didn't give that up. But because of our status, we're also we're also out of that jurisdiction where where uh, we can operate outside of the 14th Amendment. And it's not it's not this kind of stuff that you see with the uh, these rise of the Moors and all these different Moors organizations, because that's something that we that we draw a line in the sand and tell people we have nothing to do with that. And that's something that's completely foreign. You know, Moors are from Morocco, or at least that's what they claim. Morocco is in Africa. So if you are a Moor, and if you are from Morocco, then you can't be indigenous to America. You can't be from both places. You know, you're either one or the other. And so we don't play those games. Um, as a matter of fact, we actually, with people out here committing fraud and stuff, uh, we've actually uh, assisted uh, law enforcement because we don't want our own people hemmed up in, in all of this fraud and stuff going on. Um, you find a lot of these folks now who are trying to play this um, play this paperwork game are being described as BIEs, Black Identity Extremists. That's that's uh, something we don't want to get mixed up in, and that's why we draw a line in the sand and, and, and we teach law enforcement the difference between the two. Because when you get folks who look similar and speak in similar verbiage, it's easy for a law enforcement officer to get you too confused, you know. But then we have to show our documents and our IDs and, and, and have the conversations. And then when they look us up, they see, okay, you guys are, are who you say you are. So basically, um, short answer is it's because we're 14th Amendment citizens and because we are also um, Indians not taxed, which is a different uh, status. We're not federal. We're not state. That is our status. So I really appreciate this, um, this discussion, um, a very important one. And it was a pleasure. Absolutely. I enjoyed you. I enjoyed when you came here to the gathering and I'm looking forward to us getting together again. When you come home and visit the family, I'll be here waiting on you. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Remember, even if you can't travel right now, you are still a living and breathing passport because the passport is you. So let's push through those barriers that have been standing in your way and globally connect. You can follow us on Instagram at nmconstant. Or visit our website to find out about new episodes, extended information, and about our guests at www.nairaconstant.com. And if you could, take a moment to subscribe. 
so you can get all of the notifications when new episodes are uploaded. And leave a comment. I'd love to know what you think about this episode.